You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thank you very much for being with us. We're very grateful for that. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi, along with your host, Father Anthony Craig. We're broadcasting for the first time ever from Crosby, Minnesota, at St. Joseph uh, Catholic Church here. And uh, Father Anthony is the uh, administrator and uh, future pastor, we hope, of, <laughs> of uh, St. Joseph Church in Crosby and also Our Lady of Fatima in Garrison and uh, Holy Family in Hillman. Um, this is our uh, first opportunity since um, uh, Father Anthony has been uh, assigned here to, to Crosby, where I uh, uh, um, uh, do my ministry in, in Crosby and Garrison, um, to, to work together in this way. We've done Mass together. Yeah, I say together like I was there. Together. You did it, you did. <laughs> but I, I I I took that thing off of the cup for you, so yeah. you could drink from it. So that's my big job. Here, let me let me get that for you. It's heavy, Father. Let me assist you by removing the pall from this, this, yeah, this chalice. There's, so that there's you can, the general, there's the brigadier general. Father's sitting there with this cup. What do I do? It's covered. I I can't function. <laughs> but thank goodness the deacon was there. He saves the day. <laughs> Take the lid off. <laughs> I bet your father Dan or. or uh, Deacon Dan and uh, uh, Father Nick's um, assistant, I bet he doesn't, isn't as good at that as I am, but who knows? Oh, you've perfected that art. <laughs> it is a smooth motion. <laughs> who else could do it? Uh, Father Nick Nelson is with us uh, from the Diocese of Duluth. Father Nick has a deep... Uh, uh, welcome. Am... Welcome, yes. I'm, I'm very glad to be with you all this morning to talk about the uh, subject of that's very dear to my heart. Yeah, the saints. Saints, they're just... Uh, they're great and models for us. Our um, uh, production assistant at Real Presence Radio, her name is Therese, and she's very excited about uh, this topic because we're talking about her folks today. <laughs> Not, you know, yeah, right, right. The little flowers folks. That's right, yeah. her folks. How's, yes, how's your actual. folks? Yeah, yeah so uh, Father Nick, tell us, uh, yeah, a little bit about uh, the parents of the, uh, the little flower. Yes, um, you know, St. Therese, she was, she lived at the, the end of the 19th century. So, you know, she was born, you know, she was born in 1873, and, and she only lived 24 years, and uh, basically unknown during her life, except, you know, through her own family. It was after she died, and her, her own kind of journal, diary, um, which she was kind of, uh, wrote under obedience to her mother superior about, you know, her life and, um, you know, her, her journey and her growth and holiness, et cetera. And it was once that was uh, revealed and publi- published that she's, you know, probably one of the, these days, one of the top five, you know, known saints and uh, just loved, uh, loved throughout the world. And in that process of realizing her, her sanctity, even in her short life, was the realization that she didn't come out of nowhere. You know, she didn't come out of sky, dropped by a stork, but actually came out of a, a family. And the family, especially with two parents that were were, were saints, that lived a vocation, um, but as well as you can, you know, here in this, in this life. And so... Uh, over time, realizing that uh, her two parents were so saintly and investigating their lives, 
uh, they were beatified in 2008 and in just uh, 2015 declared saints by Pope Francis and they're the first spouses to be canonized as a couple. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. That is, it's, it's so rare to have these clusters of saints. And how does that uh, just happen? I mean, uh, what would you say to that? Even just how did this occur in this manner yeah. that they, there was a confluence of these saints in this, yeah. little, this home? Well, maybe it'd be helpful to kind of go through, uh, you know, just their, their biographies and their, their life of uh, Lewis and Uzeli, um, because it's, I think it's, it's so interesting, it's so, so human, it's so, so ordinary, their life. Um, Lewis, he was born in 1823, and Zelie, his future wife, was born in 1831, so uh, she was about eight years uh, younger than he was. And both initially had this desire, because their families that they came from, of always already wanting to be saints, and actually both felt initially that they are called to religious life. Um Lewis wanted to uh, join a religious order, um, and well as well as Zelie. And Lewis, he was turned away pretty early on, about the age 20, um, from the convent because he was unable to learn Latin. He was unable to learn Latin and therefore unable to be a part of their convent, the religious order. Uh, Zelie was turned away because of her health concerns. She had respiratory issues and headaches. And so Lewis then became a watchmaker and owned a watch shop and jewelry shop, and Zelie uh, became a lace maker, um, a certain part of France known for their, their exquisite and beautiful lace. And uh, well, there a bit after, both of them being turned away from religious life, met each other and uh, got married in 1858. And what's interesting is, you know, they, again, wanting to be saints uh, and seeing that the consecrated life is uh, the more perfect state, okay? Not that those who live it necessarily live more perfectly, but it is the, the state that's more ordered towards heaven. Um, they both desired or thought about living uh, as brother and sister, like Mary and St. Joseph were. Um, mm-hmm. And so for 10 months, they lived they live continent, yeah. And uh, after those 10 months, though, and talking to priests and being advised, um, they, they realized, no, that's not what God's calling them. He, that he is actually calling them to the fullness of married life with uh, having kids. And so they realized it wasn't just a failure, you know, on their part, not getting to religious order. Um, but actually, no, God was actually calling them to this vocation of marriage and to be parents. And you know, less anyone would think that, hey, you know, they kind of were reluctant to get married and weren't happy and always, you know, were kind of uh, resentful of that sacrament and vocation, not so. There's a, a quote from um, Zelie. She says, I am so happy today at the thought of welcoming you back, speaking of Lewis, that I cannot work for the joy of it. Your wife, me, who loves you more than her life. So they, they truly grew in their love for each other. Uh, in a very, you know, beautiful way. And they would have nine children. Um, two boys and two girls died in infancy. Um, and the, the five rest of the girls would actually all go and become religious sisters. Um, they, pretty early on afterwards, so married in 58, 
And then in 76, at Delhi, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then it'd be uh, about a year or so later that she would actually die. And so that was very painful. And then Lewis himself had two strokes and had to be even committed to a, a kind of a, a mental hospital. And he, he died in uh, 1894. And so you, you see very ordinary lives, very, you know, ups and downs, yet uh, their perseverance and faithfulness to God uh, is something we can all look at. So how old was uh, uh, Therese when her mother and her father died? When they died, well, the mother, uh, she was still young. I think, um, you know, I think she, she was still at home. Mm-hmm. And so she only had her dad there. And uh, her dad was instrumental, too, in helping her, even though it was very difficult because um, all these his daughters are going off to the, the convent and, you know, he didn't want to lose, in a sense, all his daughters to the convent and away from him because he didn't have his wife. And so it was a real sacrifice, but he realized that's what God was calling him to, to sacrifice. And so uh, St. Therese, she entered the, the convent at age 15 and would only be there for you know, eight, nine years uh, before she died. And it's so beautiful what um, St. Therese would write about her parents. She said, God gave me a father and a mother more worthy of heaven than of earth. God gave me a father and mother more worthy of heaven than earth. Pretty remarkable there. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking and, and empathizing quite a bit with, uh, with Lewis. Um, you know, obviously, their uh, marriage, that, that union... Was was so beautiful and so rich and so loving that you know what you quoted uh, uh, Zelly you know um, telling him about how yeah. how she longed for his return you, you know I, I can empathize with what that is like and then to lose your mm-hmm. wife um, you know she dies and you're alone yeah. and then one after the other your children are you know sort of going away as well I can't imagine yeah. the I don't know. In human terms, I'm putting myself in his position. I would be crushed. I would be so lonely. It would be very yeah. difficult for me not to be bitter, <laughs> almost. Yeah. You know, yeah. About having to deal with yeah. The greater the love, the greater the grief. It seems, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. And you go into the there depths was, of that. There was, you know, uh, a couple of things that I think we could really learn from. You're hitting on one right there. Both of them lived this. Um, what they term, they like to use Delhi and Lewis, resignation, you know, um, or this basically radical openness to whatever God would, you know, uh, allow. And you see that one first with the vocation, okay? You know, okay, God didn't call us to, to, to marriage. Um, and again, even um, Zelie realized, again, not being resentful that she wasn't a religious, would say, I'm crazy about children. I was born to give birth to them. Mm-hmm. I am crazy about children. I was born to give birth to them. So even after a while, again, realize I'm not called to religious life, I'm called to marriage, and, and not just a celibate, consonant marriage, but actually um, marriage with having children and being a mother. And they truly realize that as well, that these children of theirs are not possessions. Another great example for us today, right? Because right. what happens today, we view kids as possessions, and Okay, I'm infertile or something, and it's, it's a big cross. It's awful. 
And so what do a lot of people do? Oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll try to create a, a child in a Petri dish or, um, you know, surrogate motherhood and stuff. And no, we have to realize kids are, um, are, are gifts and we're called to be stewards. They ultimately belong to God. And I think that's something that, that, and then even in their, their end life of their, um, in their death, this resignation to God, God's will. Um, I have a quote here from a little paragraph on, from Zelly. And she said this to those, God has in fact given me the grace not to be afraid. I'm very calm. And I, have, I find myself almost happy. I would not change my lot for anything. If God wants to heal me, I would be very happy because deep down I want to live. It is costing me something to leave my husband and my children. But on the other hand, I say to myself, if I am not healed, it is because it would be perhaps more useful for them if I went away. While I wait, I will do all that I can to get a miracle. I'm counting on the pilgrimage to the Lord's. They would, she went to Lord's to see if uh, Our Lady of Lord's would grant a miracle. But if I'm not healed, I will try to sing on my way home anyway. So there's that openness to God's will, whatever it is, and even to the point of death. And again, that openness, that resignation to God's will, um, active um, acceptance of it, but also um, realizing today, even time of, of, you know, COVID and the virus, her openness and willing, you know, if God calls me to die, so be it. I think some of us could learn that example. We're so scared of getting sick and mm-hmm. um, we're, we're even, oh, they thought of dying. And, no, we can't hang on to this life like that's all there is and that health and death is the absolute evil. It's not. And the so, acceptance of... Uh... That you hit on, exactly, yeah. Acceptance of uh, divine providence, the stuff that saints are made of, right? We've been visiting with Father Nick Nelson, Diocese of Duluth, uh, with, about the uh, parents of one of the most beloved saints of the church, the Little Flower. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi, along with Father Anthony Craig. We'll continue this discussion in just a moment on Real Presence Live, when we'll be right back uh, broadcasting from St. Joseph Church in Crosby, Minnesota. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. In today's crowded higher education field, there's one university whose quality and personal care stands out from the crowd, the University of Mary. The University of Mary offers truly affordable, flexible adult education, Because your success is our priority. Here, you matter, and we're with you every step of the way to make sure you succeed. Choose a university community that cares about you as a student for life. Discover us at online.umary.edu slash discovermary. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155. 
and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Real Presence Live is coming to you live from uh, St. Joseph Church in Crosby, Minnesota for the first time. I'm, I'm Deacon Dan Goshi. I serve at this parish along with Father Anthony Craig, who is our host. And we've got Father Nick Nelson, also with the Diocese of Duluth, um, joining us today to talk about the parents of the Little Flower. Yeah, thanks yeah. for being with us, Father Nick. Um, we were talking a little bit about um, their lives as saints and all the different realities that led there, but what really fueled that core, that life of holiness that St. Louis and Zelie Martin um, exhibited? What fueled that life of holiness? What was their love like? Yeah. Um, I think a big one for, especially it's evidenced in... Lewis's devotion to the Mass and the Eucharist, and uh, there's a number of little great examples I think that we can relate to. You know, um, after Mass, after Mass, you know, he would, after a single communion, he liked to walk home in silence, and he said he'd like to continue his conversation with our Lord, he said, he used those words. Hmm. Um, and there's something to that, right? Especially because we don't digest the Eucharist right away. So in a real way, the Lord is in us for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Or, um, sometimes right after receiving Holy Communion, you know, or chit-chatting, and, or, you know, some in worst cases, we end up gossiping or, you know, maybe <laughs> kids fighting with their siblings, you know, two minutes after they receive Holy Communion. And, uh, for him to give that witness of, no, I'm going to continue this conversation with the Lord that's within me, I think is a great witness. He would he make stops into the church to see Jesus throughout the day, you know, just walk by and say to the church and stop in and say hi to Jesus. And for Eucharistic processions, uh, which he loved, and those were a lot more um, frequent uh, back then, he, he wanted to be right behind the canopy, as close as he could, to the priest carrying the monstrance with Jesus, and even so, and he had such a devotion to uh, and reverence for the Eucharist that once during a procession, there was a guy on the side of the street, kind of watching with a hat on, and he went over to the guy with the hat and kicked his hat off <laughs> and said, "Hey, you know, hey, take your hat off. This is our Lord here." Um, so just that that sense of um, love and reverence, and he would make. They even had adoration back then, even nocturnal 40, you know, nocturnal adoration and 40 hours devotion, and he would take the most inconvenient time in the middle of the night to be with our Lord. And he loved to, even when the priest would bring Holy Communion to the shut-ins or sick or Viaticum to those who were dying, he loved to carry the, the candle before the priest in the kind of procession from the church to the, the people. And then um, uh, a story I mentioned to my people this morning, uh, it's kind of neat. 
faithful Catholics, you know, they know exactly when the bells are supposed to ring, you know, at consecration. And so it's almost like a, uh, it's almost like a noxious, it's almost like a traumatic event when the bells aren't rung, you know, when they should be, you know, the first time when the ball comes off the chalice once, and then three times for each elevation. And, um, and we always know, like, oh, jeez, server's not paying attention. He's not going to ring again. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. uh, Lewis, Lewis, knowing that or seeing that, you know, maybe there's not a server or um, the server not paying attention, times would go right up to the sanctuary to grab the bells and ring them himself because how important that was, uh, you know, at the, the conse- consecration. And then um, this is something I think I appreciate as a, as a priest and a preacher, and so both you guys would as well, even Deacon Dan as a preacher. He said, uh, his daughter Marie said, I've never heard him express a critic criticism of the clergy, nor find fault with a sermon. He listened with a devout respect to the Word of God, without considering the quality of the instrument which transmitted it. So we priests, deacons, we're fallen people. We don't always, you know, not, not the most eloquent or whatever, but we can always be um, open to what God would want to say. And Father Anthony, you can relate with me, you know, in seminary. Mm-hmm. Seminarians were the worst as far as being critical. Tom, oh, you know, yeah. They're watching their watches or... You know, I remember Father Bear saying that uh, if he could design, Father Bear was the rector at a um, seminary in St. Paul. If he could design a seminary, he would have it so that the out of the chapel there would be like a hundred different tunnels that each guy would go their own way after mass. <laughs> kind of like um, right. like Lewis Martin. He could they could continue their conversation with the Lord and not you know worry about, you know, talking to people right away or, or right. being critical of the holiday. Right. So, so yeah, his devotion to the Eucharist, I think, was, was huge. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's inspiring, though, too. You, you can see him as a man of decision. He was very decisive of following our yeah. Lord, being close to that canopy, ringing those bells, you know, mm-hmm. just, just seeing something and doing something, you know, and yeah. um, to show his love. I mean, that, that's a beautiful fuel. Um, for his yeah. life of holiness in the family and a great witness to his kids and his wife even too. Um, that's something we, we a lot of our men can, can learn from his example as who was a father and, and a husband. And that's, that's exactly right, Father Anthony, because, you know, for we have so many saints that are priests and religious, you know, and, uh, and that's great for us priests and uh, religious and maybe those who are young, but... Um, it is important that we have canonized saints, you know, of all states of life. And so that's why, you know, Lewis and Zelie are so important that they're, they're, your average man, woman, husband, wife can look at them and directly imitate them because of their state of life, you know. Um, Lewis, for example, he, he lived a life of, of penance. Uh, one very small kind of interesting thing is, and I've been conscious of this myself now ever since reading this in his, one of the biographies out of it. He never crossed his legs. It's something simple like that, you know? You know, it's comfortable <laughs> at times to cross your legs, you know, your, even just your feet. And yeah. he never did that, um, just as a kind of a little penance there. Um, and he always kept Sunday holy. He would keep his shop closed, you know? And, um, and he, in himself, he never bought anything on Sunday. He kept the Lord's Day um, holy and Delhi, she recognized this and she said, because they, they ended up being pretty prosperous. And she said, I cannot attribute the prosperity he enjoys to anything but a special blessing 
that is the fruit of his filial observance of Sunday. I cannot attribute the prosperity he enjoys to anything but a special blessing that is the fruit of his filial observance of Sunday. I think that's that, that's beautiful in our Lord's Day, especially today where there is no difference between any days of the week, That uh, to see that example of keeping the Lord's Day holy. Yeah, St. Louis, Louis and Zelie, they knew who they were, mm. and they, yeah. they followed through on it in their actions. Yeah. Uh, what a great and thing. I don't want to make it seem like they were always perfect, and I think this is important, too, is that uh, saints, you know, make mistakes, too. And uh, there's, there's one time where um, Leone, which is one of their daughters, she was having a, a hard time with one of the maids. The maids was really mistreating her and abusing her and making her, you know, do the maid's work that she was supposed to do. And um, and Zoe really wasn't paying attention and didn't see it until one day when her daughters heard the maid yelling at Leone and saying, hey, you know, if you make a big deal, you know, I'm going to, you know, really hurt you and threatening her. And uh, so we, we see that there's a time when for Zelly especially, the, the mother there, uh, not really observant and seeing what's going on in her daughter. Her daughter kind of suffered for a while from that. And she, her daughter turned out fine after that, but um, I think that's comforting, too. <laughs> that, uh, all of us are, are solid weak and we miss things and we might have regrets and, okay, we maybe confess those regrets uh, for whatever culpability we have and uh, we, we just try, try again and try to do better next time. But uh, I think uh, another example of just their, their humanness and and, and uh, uh, turning it over to the Lord. Yeah, well said. I mean, that's that's good to keep in mind. Just the weakness of of human nature that's still present, even in the saints, and they needed the grace. Right. That's why they were so devoted to these sources of grace to give them that strength, because uh, human nature mm-hmm. is just wobbly without that grace. Um, and it's great to to hear this example. Thank you, Father Nick, for for explaining their lives and where their love was placed and how how beautiful their story really is. And that memory can feed yeah. us, right? Yeah. I mean, that memory yeah. feeds us to imitate, like you said. All right. Yeah. Well, Father Nick, thank you so much. It's a pleasure uh, having you with us on Real Presence Live. Uh, say hello to my brother Deacon Dan at your at your <laughs> parish for me, and uh, we're very grateful that you've been with us today. Thank you, Deacon Dan, and thank you, Father Anthony. It was a blessing. Thank you, brother. So how does the love you show your children impact them and the world? We'll be discussing that next with Emily Leadham from the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi, along with Father Anthony Craig, broadcasting from Crosby, Minnesota at St. Joseph Church on Real Presence Live. Mm -hmm. 